Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Man, this 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 moment is a long time in the making, Mr. Gordon. Um, thank you for everybody for tuning in. This is the Bridging the Generation uh, podcast. This right here is an exclusive, um, and 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 very. Um, there's a long time in the making. This brother right here, words cannot even explain how influential he has been in my life as far as music. Words cannot explain how influential this brother has been as far as our people, our culture, when it comes to music. Um, he really needs no introduction, but I feel that he does because it he, it kind of gets lost when you think of the the greats as far as the songwriters and the the producers but at one time there was no one bigger and greater than this man that i have right here on the screen and again thank you mr gordon how are you doing today sir i'm all good i can you hear me yes i can hear you perfectly sir all right good because I, I was trying to get on with my laptop but i didn't see none of the invites or nothing on the laptop so i don't know what's right. going on. i never been on like on the live on instagram so it's cool it's cool and look i i, I know this is this is um you know a lot a lot of people are not really uh familiar but it's, it's cool we got you here mr gordon we got you here i hope you have some time brother um i hope you have some time because this one right here is epic you know i want i want you to know that we um as a people and as a as a culture man we really appreciate uh your service to the music industry and i want people to know today that mark gordon is 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 what was a force to be reckoned with and your, your your name is going to be preserved from from here on out you know all right well you 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 pouring it on. You real kind with it. I appreciate no, it. No, Mr. Gordon. Mr. Gordon. See you. What you? What you <laughs> see. See. This is the thing. So, again, I've been a diehard fan, man. And 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 we, we about to go into interview mode. We about to start interview mode. But I just want you to know, man. Like, what what your music has meant to me has meant to you know my my friends, my my aunts, parents, everybody, man. You, we 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 love you, man. So look, we have you here, Mr. Gordon, and. You know, first of all, I want to know how you've been holding up with this COVID, um, you know, this pandemic and everything that's going on. How's everything going with uh, going on with you as far as, uh, you know, coping with this? Uh, well, unfortunately, I, I, my whole house had it. So, no yeah, and uh, it was back in uh, like the end of March, April. April was really like the time that I went through it. April through uh, like May, and uh, oh, just stayed in the house. Uh, you know, we had to be fighting it. You know, so um, no, it was it's, it's rough, but um, I'm I'm managing. You know, I stay out the way, so I'm not trying to. You know, I ain't trying to complicate and do none of that. I'm staying no, in the no. house. I stay in the lab, and that's about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's rough, though, as far as, uh, you know, like, sometimes I still feel a little lingering, you know, things that go on that I never felt before. But, uh, you know, I just, which I, I, I researched and, and, and saw that, you know, that kind of happens. But, um, yeah, I'm still, hey, I'm still here, so I'm, I'm good. Right. No doubt, no doubt. You know, I that was yeah. I, I wanted to make sure first things first, man. I got it. I want to make sure that you're good and 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 
you know, like I said, I see you know you you you're on the gram, but you you one thing about you, Mister Mister Gordon, man, you 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 stay low, you stay low. You're yeah. a very you're a very private person, and I wanna I wanna get into all of that. I wanna I wanna know how did Mark Gordon become the person that he is today? Because you know you're more than just a songwriter. You're more than just a producer. You're more than just a performer. There's a you know you have a lot of other things going on with uh, as as far as uh, who you are. And who you um, you know what what you what you embody as as a person as a man. Well, so, uh, I mean, <laughs> so um, I mean, I, I you know I'm just low key, but I think I have to you know give a, a, a you know tribute to uh, Gerald um, Levert and uh, and Sean Levert because you know I wasn't aware of the music business prior to. You know, and uh, certain things I had to learn to adjust to. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, you know, it's like being a, you know, small fish in a big pond, and uh, it's a lot of things that happen and and can come at you. You know, I, I was, I guess, I was kind of sheltered a little bit. Uh, no doubt. Up. And, um, but so I, you know, I just try to stay in my lane. You know what I mean? Well, look, Mr. Gordon, I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, like I said, man, this is a long time in the making, man. And when, when I say this is, this is really 30 plus years for me, because that's how long I have been a fan. So I want to know, man, how did it all start with you? Like what, what, um, you know, where, where you're originally from? Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I always thought Cavs, you I always Cavs, Cavs, I'm Cavs, man. I was gonna wear my Cavs jersey. I have a I have a Mark Price jersey. Um, oh, okay. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah, oh, hey, weren't you on uh, uh, shout out to my homeboy, Ron Harper. Ron Harper, Ron Harper. I was just about to mention that I uh, I remember opening up the cre opening up the credits to I think the Rope Dope style album. And you also you shouted him out on the on the on the, the first song. I remember you shot it uh Ron Hopper out. Yeah, yeah, that's my man. Yeah, we, we what's we up? Should. Shout out to Ron Hopper, man. Shout out to Ron Hopper. But look, Mr. Gordon, see, I want to talk about you. We're gonna get into all of that, but I wanna know how was it growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, and what were some of your um what were some of your influences as far as uh getting into uh getting into music? Oh, that was uh, that's simple. But the, the the first introduction to music was in elementary school, and um, you know the directors came by the classrooms and they offered the music class. So okay. The main thing about that was uh, getting out of class for an hour. So uh, that's what attracted me. And uh, I went on and did the, you know, did the music lessons, and I and I liked it. So uh, it just went from there. But I I noticed after that I was able to kind of hear like songs on the radio, but hear how they was put together. Like I can hear the instrumentation and different things. No like doubt, that. no doubt. So that that intrigued me a whole lot, and um, you know, uh, and naturally, you know, as a young you know, in elementary school, I wanted to play drums. And, okay. And moms was like, no way, you can't play drums here, <laughs> you know? So, so uh, I went from the loudest thing to play that I want to play to the softest thing. So I ended up playing violin in elementary school. 
And, uh, and I think, but that was really the best thing for me because I think that really helped train my ear to hear different things because of how you have to, you know, position finger, your, your, your finger positioning for, you know, playing the violin. It's no, it's not like guitar, you have frets and all of that, but uh, I think that really, you know, helped me. And I went from there and started playing piano and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, cause violin, you need some accompaniment. You need more pieces to really, you know, fill it out. And with piano, you could play, Song, full songs on the piano without anybody, you know. So uh, okay. I started learning how to play songs on the radio, and that's what you know. Uh, that really had me, you know, put me in a different place. And <clears throat> when Gerald connected, it was it was just like a, you know, it was just an instant match. Right. So what what, what was the sound of uh, you know? We're talking about um the mid 70s the, you know around what was the sound of click because you and you know and when i think of ohio and and, and i'm not going to say your, your age or anything like that but um when i think of ohio i think of you know lakeside i think of uh the ohio players i think of slave were you ever influenced by any of those bands or oh, yeah. you know I think of bobby womack oh no doubt about it i mean i listen to everything i listen to more than just you know like the funk stuff i listen to some pop stuff, rock stuff, you know, because at that time, uh, radio, radio played everything. You know, what I mean, okay. there was no difference between R&B, soul, and and then the the rock stuff. It was all on one station at one point. No doubt. And as time went on, they started segregating, you know, the music in categories. Okay. And uh, and that's where you know. That's where people like right now you get stuck on you know one thing as opposed to if you had a variety of things that you was listening to, then you uh, you would have a you know broader you know a base of knowledge of music. That make, that make a lot of sense. Yeah. No, nah, that make a lot that that make a lot of sense, man. So so again, like I I'm, uh, I hear your experiences, um, and it's surprising because you know um. A lot of times we, we, we're surprised, you know, of the, the music that a lot of our favorite artists are influenced by. But I want to I want to ask you, when did you decide to get involved in music and started to take it seriously? Well, well, I think the, the, the whole meeting with uh, with Gerald uh, and actually, you know, that's my mom. She I have to give her credit for taking me over there because his mom and my mom were friends and um so one day we went over there so okay. at that time at that time they were uh they were living in a in a pretty fairly large house uh, you know i would say it would be a mansion and yeah let me stop you for a second i hate to cut you off mr mr gordon i hate this cut you, but i, I want to know like how old were you around this time because you know this is we're, we're talking about we're talking about Eddie LeVert and the OJs. And I think I, I don't yeah. think a lot of people might not know how big these guys were. So how, how old were you around this time? Uh, I was early teens. I, was, I had just, uh, what? I had just went to ninth grade, maybe. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, pulling up in their driveway, I was like, whoa, 
okay. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, what, what kicked it off was uh, once we got in, see, Jerome wasn't even there that day. But once we got in, once I got in and, and I was hanging out with Sean, and uh, Sean kind of went back and told Gerald to play by play. I, they had a piano in the foyer, and that I sat down and I kind of stayed there all day at the piano. And we sat there. I played you know, songs off the radio, and Sean sang, and we you know we just kicked it. He was cool. And uh, and then after that, once I went back, and that's when we connected. All of us connected, and and it was just a you know. It was a, a match. Okay, okay. So when when you when you met Gerald and you know were you prior to meeting meeting uh, uh, Gerald, did you know how big his father was as far as being with the OJ's? Like the, the, uh, like the, the 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 magnitude, the aura that surrounded um, Eddie Levert. Like how was it being around Eddie Levert at that time? Because we're talking about around we're talking about. Um, you know, they had a lot of hits around, uh, you know, in the 70s and in, in the early 80s. So yeah. how was it just seeing the relationship between uh, Gerald, um, Sean, and, and, and the relationship, you know, between uh, with, with their father at that time? Uh, well, early on, you know, Eddie wasn't there as much, you know what I mean? So, but when he was, when he was there, you know, we would, you know, every now and then kick it, whatever. And, uh, but... And he, he would take us to, you know, dinner and different things like that. So it was just like, you know, I'm seeing a different a different side of things that, you know, I wasn't used to, you know. And uh, so it kind of, it, 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 it was a, you know, great experience. Um, but it was just, it, it was just like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really phased like that. But wow. because, because. I don't know. I was just kind of grounded, and I didn't really re realize how big they were because I did listen to the songs. I did hear the songs. I was a fan of the songs and all of that. I just never, never thought about it like you know, uh, like that at the time. But I was happy. I, I'll say that I was happy more so on the inside because it was. I was around something that I wanted to do. Okay. So um, in that, it's like, well, you know, if he's been able to achieve all of this with with what he's doing with music, then it's possible I can achieve it too. You know, what no I mean? and and uh, the connection, it just, you know, if the connection was real, so it was like family. It was, you know, because um, you know, uh, they were like they were my brothers, and uh, you know, we we did everything together. Because, you know, from, from what I've researched, uh, Mr. Gordon, and, you know, it, it seems like, you know, you were the music guy. You know, right. like, you no, know, I don't believe, you know, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong I don't believe Gerald or Sean played any instruments. But no. you, well, 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 Gerald. Correct me wrong. Ger yeah, Gerald, Gerald tinkered around. He tinkered around with the piano, but he wasn't a, I think they made him play you know get lessons but he didn't really want to play he just wanted to sing he just wanted to you know be on the stage with a microphone he didn't want to play nothing sean played the drums okay and uh and early on in our early career 
when we were doing like the local circuit and, and clubs and bars and stuff like that, uh, we would do sets. And in those sets, we would switch off from okay. speaking. And we would go and like I would go and play keys, and uh -huh. the guy who playing the keys would go do something else. But then Sean would get on the drums, so we would switch off and and wow. play instruments, and and then go back to the front on certain songs, and then we sing, you know, in the front. So oh, yeah. at first it was a band because we, you know, we we took we took pride in in, in putting together our band, and um, you know, um, you know, we had a lot of rehearsals. Uh, right, but we didn't have no shows at first, so we was just rehearsing and rehearsing for whatever reason. Right uh, at the time, but uh, but we were you know doing what we wanted to do. Okay, so when you know, like um, you know, when I think about, like I said, I, I, I hear you talking about you guys, um, you know, put together a band because a lot of people forget about that. A lot of a lot of people forget that you guys were a band at first. So when did you guys decide to make the conscious decision to to just put it all together. You know, what What did you guys ever uh, decide? Was there a conscious decision to become a group or was there a conscious decision to become a band? Like, how did that um, come to play? Well, it wasn't, it, you know, it, it wasn't really like a decision until we decided to put out the independent record. And, um, you know, Eddie took us around to all the labels and all the labels turned us down. Uh, and, so, so from there, so from so from there, Eddie decided he teamed up with one of his partners from Philly, and they decided to put out the independent record. So the independent record we had, uh, it it was called "I'm Still," and also, so, a lot, so a lot of people thought that that was the OJ's because they didn't really know who it was, and, right? Uh, but they thought it was the OJ's. And uh, and it, it did a little something on the charts, you know. It made some moves. It propelled us to go to the next step. No doubt. So from that, we we gained a, you know some a little nor notoriety, and we uh, we started doing shows, opening up for national acts now. And uh, so now we're getting a little bit more exposure. And okay. It wasn't until um, so. Basically, when we did that independent record, that's when it turned into a three-member group. But the band was also included, and they were on the back of the I was album. Just to, I was just about to say, Mr. Gordon, I saw them on the back cover of that uh, of that album, but it's only three of you guys on the front. So yeah, explain that. Well, I you know I didn't really know um, the situation on how that was going to go. Like I think that was kind of more like a you know kind of like a executive decision that Eddie made to say, well, we want to, we're going to do it like this. And, you know, I, that was cool with me. Uh, but, um, and when we went to Atlantic, that's, it carried on to, you know, like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, them guys was, you know, they was with us, uh, in the beginning and, you know, throughout some of the early times and then, you know, things started moving forward but yeah so what 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 um made you guys decide to you know to to this um you know dismember the band and just become you know just just a, a singing group opposed to a band what was the you know what what was the decision or what led to that 
Uh, yeah. Well, again, I think that was more so like Eddie kind of directing it uh, in that way. You know what I mean? Like, I we never had a conversation about it. Like, it's gonna be you three, or yeah, I wanted to be us three. No, it was never no. At least I don't remember having a conversation about that. It just happened, and uh, and from there, I mean, that's just what it was, you know. So, and and it, and it may be because it may be because of the OJ's and that whole involvement because it's three of them, and 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 you know they started with five, six people. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, so it broke down eventually, you know, because of, you know people have different visions, things they uh -huh. want to do, or uh, and things they don't want to do, or whatever. And it just eventually ended up being Eddie Walden and uh, and uh, William Powell and William, yeah, and William. So, um, but that might have had something to do with it. I'm not sure, but just it was the we were the core of the you know, of the the situation of the group now I, and, and i don't want to stay on this too long but um when you guys had the, the band lavert were were those guys your friends like how did y'all like how did you meet these guys because I'm, I'm thinking they probably would have felt some type of way you know i know it was it's a business decision but were these guys your friends yeah they yeah we were friends we went to school with you know we went to school with them and, uh, and some people we just met along the way just walking from school or right whatever it was but uh some people were introduced to us we went through a lot of different bands you know what i mean before we had before we had our band we we joined a couple of bands and and uh you know they were doing little sets and shows and stuff like that not much but you know right. so we kind of drifted around and did different things until we decided to get our own band but they were all, they were all friends and, and still friends uh, a couple of them passed on uh, but uh, they was all friends and it, I, I don't recall ever hearing anything about you know, whether or not they were mad about the situation or how it went or whatever it, uh, it was all good because still, still after that um, you know some of the guys that stayed on you know they they were partaking in you know some of the music that was being put together whether they played like guitar or bass or you know so they were a part of what we were doing uh still right okay okay so look i want to go back a little sec uh, uh i want to go back a second because um like you said you know uh eddie eddie made some decisions um you know as far as the direction of the group but I want to go back and I want to know when did Eddie decide to take you guys? What what did it take for him got for him to look at you guys and see that you guys are ready? You know what what, what what did it take for him to see that? Was there ever any pushback? Um, or you know what did he did he always believe in you guys? What what did you guys had to do to prove to him that you guys can you know you guys can make it? Eddie, Eddie told us no a million times. So <laughs> it was it was a million times. Like literally, we we went back to the drawing board, board several times. So it wasn't like an automatic thing. Even though he probably believed in, in Gerald, and uh, but he didn't do anything until he felt like we were really ready. And okay. uh, and I think you know what what helped that decision was the fact that once we started writing together and doing better songs 
then he right. felt like, oh, I'm going to put you in the studio. We're going to go in the studio. You know, so that was a, a big deal. But uh, Eddie, um, he uh, he took his time with, you know, saying, we're we going to go in the studio. He didn't just come out and be like, uh, yeah, we're going to go in, you know. He made us work, he made us work for it because we went back to the drum board a million times. And the thing about it was we didn't have experience with producing or writing we just was trying to do something in fact we had two tape recorders and we just put them put them together to try to you know make something but we didn't you know it was so nasty sounding but right. uh, but eventually he bought some equipment uh, a Tascam eight track, and we didn't know how to work it or nothing. You going back in the day with that? Man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, he, we didn't know how to work it though. We didn't know nope. how to work none of that stuff, and we was just experimenting. And uh, so eventually, as the song started getting better, Eddie took notice, and that's when he decided to, yeah, we're gonna go in the studio. Now he okay. had a studio, their studio, uh, which him and Walt owned, was in Walt's house in the basement okay and uh so the the first day we went into the studio we went over there we was all pumped up and happy and uh we get over there and it was like okay what's the song what's the song so i started playing the song on the piano right and he had his boys there that was musicians and they was you know part of his band or whoever friends that they that he knew and uh and so they took notes of the of the changes and the all of that and right. uh after they learned it eddie said all right y'all beat it get out of here <laughs> he, he, he kicked us out he kicked us out like right after we showed him the song it was like okay y'all y'all see y'all later <laughs> that was it but uh you know but the next time uh when they got finished with the song it was like oh that's dope you know like whoa okay right they put, right they put it together you know what i mean so uh that was the very first studio experience for, for me now mr gordon it, so 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 check this out i always wanted to ask you this um you know being that you know eddie, eddie Lavert is from the legendary you know group the ojs did did you guys ever get a chance to you know to go to like philadelphia international and you know, to be around like Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, you ever get got that opportunity? Oh, yeah. to go no, no, no. Listen, after after we after, um, well, part of the time that we were recording that first independent record, we went to Philly and we did a photo shoot. We did uh, we did a couple more songs that the guy Harry Coombs, who was who ended up being our manager after that, but he uh, he uh, you know gave us a couple of other uh philly international writers did mm. a couple of songs for us money sigler and uh I, I forget people but they gave us a couple of songs you know yeah. we had already done the other songs already and i guess he wanted to you know put them in in play and whatever but um yeah so that was our first experience was uh independently going to philly and doing that but even after that we end up going to Philly uh, to record because we recorded uh, in, at Sigma Sound Studios, uh, and uh, you know, and eventually that broke down. But we stayed there for we end up you know getting apartments up there, little you know uh, 
uh, apartments up there to because we started working a lot. Okay. And uh, so we were staying up in Philly, but yeah, it, it it we had a you know we got a pretty deep connection with Philly and DC. I ain't gonna leave DC out because yeah, yeah, man. I want I want to want to talk about that. I want to say that a little later, though. I want to say that a little later. Yeah. I want to say that a little later. So um, you know um, I, you you mentioned that you guys put out uh the single I'm still, and you know what the thing that really that 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 trips trips me out about that song, man. Like you guys were so young, but what did you when you first? I want to go back a, a second again. What did you think when you first heard Gerald sing, man? Because you know, for a guy to be that young. He, he had this voice, man. What was your take when you first heard him sing? I mean, I was, it was, he was, look, he was unbelievable. And, you know, because I never heard anybody as young as him, you know, I wasn't real out there. So, but throughout school, you know, you, 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 you deal with people in school that sing or that, you know, diff, different things in school. But he was just like, just crazy like exceptional like he was you know and and you know again that's another time when i started smiling on the inside like man this dude and see he was kind of saying the same thing you know uh when we clicked and, and with me because i was playing all the songs off the radio and so it was just easy to just vibe because I was like, oh, I'm going to play this or I'll play this song. And these are all the top songs that was being played. So, um, but yeah, he, he was amazing. And, and, and his, you know, I never said this and I never really told him this, but um, he really, you know, I think you asked the question earlier about, you know, how did, you know, you, um, I forget what it was, but it was something that I wanted to say about that was that Gerald actually helped me um, build confidence in what I was doing other than playing, you know, and writing. Right. As far as being on stage, we, we, we you know, we rehearsed so much. And, you know, I know in the beginning that, that, that uh, you know, they kind of questioned whether or not I was going to be able to keep up with them because they were used to watching the old man dance and, and right, do right. steps and do this, that, and the other. See, with the me, OJ I was, was sick with it. They were sick with it. Yeah, see, with me, I was so laid back and low key. They didn't think right. I was going to be able to keep up and do it. And uh, <laughs> I showed them something else, you know. So it was, uh, it was, it was a good time, man. It was, it was a really good time. And in fact, you know, it was, it was, it was so tight. Uh, eventually, I ended up staying over their house for several years, like wow, two, like three years. Uh, before we hit, you was living. You was living with Gerald and Eddie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Before we, before so we I, hit, I, I never knew that. I, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you know. You know. It was just one of them things, and I was over there every day. You know, it was just like for real, like I was at home. And right. So eventually, you know. Um, you know, at my house, it was, you know, moms had other plans for me. 
And uh, so it came down. Outside of music. Yeah, talk about it a little. I wanted to. Add, I was just about to ask you about that. Like, talk about it a little bit because, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that you had plans and your parents, you know, had plans. So, what was what were you into outside of music? I mean, I loved art, but really, it was just music. Once the music hit, and that was it. Um, that's what I did, and you know, I went from different instruments. You know, my director would would uh, encourage me to, you know, take on different instruments and things like that, being a band and orchestra and that kind of stuff. So I was into that. I was more so into that than anything. No doubt. No doubt. So look, I want to move a little further ahead, man. I want to, I want to talk about, you know, I'm still, man. Um, you know, that song was written by uh, Eddie Levert, Eddie if, I, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Eddie Andrew. Eddie Angero. Yeah. So you guys dropped that, man. What was the reception uh, in, in, in Cleveland, man? You know, what was the reception? Oh, they, How did you feel about it? No, they, Cleveland was big support. You know, we had big support. Um, a guy named Lynn Tolliver, who's actually uh, Dave Tolliver, admitted large uncle. Yeah, his brother. And he, he was running the radio at the time. Um, and uh, he immediately just put it on. Okay. And from there, we got the Ohio base going, and uh, another another key point in that was Eddie used some of his influences and and different connections. So we were one of the first one one of the only independent groups that was on Soul Train, and uh, uh, at that time and. So, you know, big shouts to, to Soul Train and Don Canis, who who was very instrumental in, and uh, us getting our things going across That's the nation. Yeah, national. It was, it was really national. Everybody was on Soul Train, was watching Soul Train Saturday morning. You know what I mean? So Soul Train was it for us, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, so, okay. You guys released the, uh, that that project, I believe, in 1985, the Get Hot project, um, and then shortly after that, you guys left that uh, that that small independent label. What led to you guys uh, signing with Atlantic? How did that? How did you got? Um, how how did you guys uh, end up leaving and you know going to Atlantic? How did you how did you guys start that? Uh, see, ironically, we were we were doing a show in D.C. Mm. Uh, and it was a it was a big it was a big event for one of the DJs, one of the jocks down there, and um, I can't remember who it was, but he was at one of the radio stations. So they had a bunch of people performing, and this, that yeah, a lot of radio industry and 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 record people there. So we performed and smashed them, and. Uh, so the guy that came back, one of the guys came back stage, like, man, y'all, y'all rocked it. You know, he's like, and he happened to be, he happened to be Hank Caldwell. That was the VP of Atlantic records. And wow. he said, I'm gonna sign y'all. It's like, okay. You know, we ain't think nothing about it. And, uh, next week we had a contract. Just like that. <laughs> yeah, just like that. So it wasn't even, like I said. All these labels turned us down already. 
what was the thing? What, what I mean, what, what do you think it was that, you know, why, why you think a lot of these labels will turn you guys down? What you thought, what you think it was? Because I, heard, I, heard I hear the talent. I hear like when I listen to the the uh, the I get hot um that that first project and of uh, the bloodline project which I'm about to talk about now. I I hear it. What do you what do you think it was? Well, I was told different things. Uh, the guy who signed us, he uh, you know the, these labels they don't know what to do really. They just you know what I mean. It happens all the time where people get passed by and not really knowing that they have something you know what i mean right in front of them so uh but i heard that a lot of the you know guys didn't know what to do with us because they felt like well we gonna step on the oj's toes <laughs> you know what i mean and, uh, so i heard that and right. uh, it, you know it's just you know the, the the music business is hit and miss so either you're gonna you know you can you can make it or you could be you know no doubt, no doubt. You know, but, uh, they, I guess they all calculated wrong and, right. you know, eventually got it right after we decided to, you know, do our own thing. And that's what I would, you know, always say to other people because of my own experience. Like, yo, if you don't, if, if a major don't pick you up, if a major don't, um, you know, that's not the end of the world. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no doubt. again, these are all experiences. So I can uh -huh. give you my own experience. So the very first experience of being turned down was by Eddie. You know what I mean? So <laughs> after Eddie, then Eddie went out there and started pushing for us, and he was turned down. Wow. So it's just like, what did we do? Did we curl up and and you know fall off and be like, man, I'm never doing music again, and this, that, and the other? No, we went back and we we decide to you know let's put out our own record we don't need them to put out a record we put our own record out and that right there propelled us because you know like the saying goes you know people don't people are more keen to help you if you're helping yourself that's true that's so true. if you want to do it then you're not gonna you're not gonna let somebody stop you from doing it you just do it you know, at, at, at whatever, at whatever, at whatever level that you can do it, okay, it's a, it's a starting point. No and, doubt. And you move on from there. No doubt, no doubt, man. Those are those are words. I'm, I'm gonna remember that, you know, because I feel like, um, you always got it. You know, you, you, you guys always knew that you guys had the talent. And I want to ask you this, like, you know, knowing that you guys was turned down, like, did you guys ever feel the need to, like, man, let's just Let's just call it quits, man. Like, did you guys ever, did any of you guys ever feel the needs, uh, ever, ever felt like giving up at one time? Never. Never. Wow. Never. That never crossed our mind. And, you know, it's, it's, it, some people would hit kind of hard if you tell them no. You know what I mean? You tell some right. people no, they'd be like, man, that's cold. Like, you gonna tell us no? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, but no, uh, it never crossed, at least we never talked about it. We just went back to the drawing board and, and said, okay, we got to do something a little different. And okay. uh, things progressed. And, you know, and, and part of it is, is being honest with yourself because sometimes we get, we get caught up in what we're doing and think we are the best. No doubt. 
No doubt. Everybody loves their songs. Everybody, Everybody that, that create loves their own right. songs. So nobody's going to say, man, I hate that song. I did it. I hate it. You know what I mean? So you, 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 you have to take it with a grain of like, yo, okay. And, um, all right, I need to make some adjustments. Okay. And thankfully, we did make the, the adjustments and it, you know, like I wouldn't be and been able to do the things I've done if I did. You know what I mean? Right. So, so let's talk about that. Let's, let, now, now we're about to get into the meat and potatoes of this segment right here, Mr. Gordon. This where, you know, to me, is where you guys took off. So I want to talk about this Bloodline project, man. What? How was it putting that project together uh, with the lead single? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was did Pop 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 Goes My Mind, did that come out first or Let's Go Out Tonight? No, it was Pop Pop, I believe, yeah. Okay, so so how was it how was it um putting that project together, you know, uh led by that by, by that single? What made you guys go with a you know a ballad, you know? I mean that was yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who made that decision. Um it was a song that we wrote and they put us together with uh some other producers in LA. And uh we went in and you know, again showed them the song um another guy who was instrumental in and part of their team was a guy named craig cooper who was uh, part of their team and so we kind of worked with him more so because he was dealing with the instrumentation okay and, uh, so i don't know who made the decision to, to release that song first but i guess they felt strong enough about it to put it out and so mr gordon talk about that song i i, I want to know like I remember hearing that song as a kid, and here in D.C., I mean, you could not go anywhere without hearing that song. So, what was the inspiration, you know, um, behind that song, man? If you if you remember, I mean, it's it's just one of them things that we just vibed on it. Um, we, you know, it's just crazy how we would just come up with ideas, and uh, like we could be walking home from school or from wherever but we would just come up with like he would sing something and i would do the you know the do the beat with my mouth okay and and, and when we got in i would you know we would sit down at the piano on his piano and just try to bang it out and, and make it work you know what i mean so that's all i can remember about about that song but we went we went up there with uh a, 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 yeah we, we went up there with uh with some songs and yeah. that was one of the songs that you know just stuck and okay. you know, it was it was interesting about that is that the label never heard that song before we finished it you know what i mean so as young artists most of the time they just put you with producers and the producers do what they do and you just you know ride along right right but in this case we came with our own songs and i don't think that was a part of the deal it just <laughs> happened like that it was just like yeah, how did, how did that happen? I'm, looking at the, I'm looking here at the credits right here and you guys you guys write and produce more than half the project yeah well that that project right there we we weren't fully producing yet 
they didn't give us those rings. Songwriting, songwriting. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Just corrected. But they, but they eventually gave us those. You know, gave us that rank to do that. Uh, and you know, we did more on the next record. Uh, we might let's see the next record. We didn't really fully get the right here. production until on this one. Huh? Yeah, I got everything. You wrote it for you. I think maybe one everything, song. Everything maybe. except for the, the you know, uh, the, the Callaway Casanova. song. The Casanova. And I think they had another song called, uh, what's that other song called? Yeah. Um, uh, um, wow, that looks like, from what I see, it says produced by Gerald Levert, Mark Gordon, <laughs> everything. Yeah, well, that, I mean that was that was that was the bulk of it. But we, they, you know, Sylvia Rome, who was the head of Atlanta Atlanta. at that time, she uh, she made a decision or a call to say, "Well, I want to put y'all in with somebody else." She solicited for a, a specific song, and the Callaways delivered. And we went to let's do that about, song. Let's talk about that, Mr. Gordon. Let's talk about that. Because we now we about to segue, and I hate to cut you off, sir, but we, we about to go into this this big throwdown project. Now, talk about that. What led you guys to to having an outside producer, you know, um from Midnight Star, I believe. Like talk talk about that. What you know? Well, she like again, she uh she solicited for a, you know, a hit song. I'm mean, I'm no 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 the, the you know the words that she said, but she put it out in the atmosphere like, oh, I need a song, and they came with that song. They sent the song in. We all listened to it. It was like, okay, yeah, that's yeah, we gonna do that. And uh, and that was probably Gerald's hardest song to to actually do. Wow. Um, not because, why is that? Well, because you know Gerald was had gotten used to going in and just doing his thing and okay. a lot of times producers will let you do your thing and, and and you know that'll be that with this song Callaways had a specific way they wanted it to be sung the cadence the rhythm of it everything they wanted that's what we had to do while gerald had to more so do because we sang the backgrounds but Gerald, when he was in the booth, he was in there. That's the longest he was probably ever in the in the booth on a song because certain things he did, like he couldn't branch off and do him on that song because he would have been on there all over it. You I couldn't tell. And, and, I can't and, tell, Mr. Gordon, because because uh, I can't tell. It's like when you hear. You know, like, like, you know, um, uh, so I, I, I still feel like he did a little, you know, I, I, hear, I still hear some of those ad libs. Oh, no, no, no. The ad libs is there. Not okay. The ad libs, but if you were in the studio, then you would see the amount of things that they, like, okay, no, I want you to do it like this. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, no, I need you, to, no, bring it down a little bit. I need you to do it like that. So right. that right there, you know, that experience right there kind of kind of groomed me for how I needed to produce. Because okay. just because you sing or rap or whatever, don't mean you're gonna get in the booth and just kill it. That's just oh, means that's you're gonna get in there and do whatever you're gonna do. But it's right. up to the producer to 
put it all together, put all the pieces together, make everything work, make it gel, make it, you know, make it complete, make it a song. It's right. the producer to do that. Now, mm. you get lucky sometimes, like, for instance, like when we did, like, Baby, I'm Ready, um, it was like an instant thing. Gerald went in and, and sang it down, and that was it. I was like, that's it right there. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to do nothing else to that right there. Right, right. And uh, and that's how it went out, just like that. There was no, it was really no overdubs. There was no, it was none of that. After the first mock of it, and we had done the, you know, the backgrounds, he went in there and just, it was, you know, because a lot of times we would split up the vocals, and we would, I, I would do some parts, Sean would do some parts, but when it came to the lead on Baby I'm Ready, once he just ripped that. It was over. I would, like, there's no need for me to touch that. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, how did you guys feel about that? That you know, because you had you you guys did my forever love, and um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was your first lead vocal. If I'm if if I'm not mistaken, my forever love. I can't remember, but uh, that was probably that song that went was, number two. That song went number number two on the charts, like. That, let's 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 talk. I want to talk a little bit about that big throwdown album because you guys, you guys had some hits off that album. You had um, you had Casanova, you guys had uh, Sweet Sensation that went number four on the charts, and you also had um, My Forever Love, which went number two on the charts. And you had a lead, you you sang, yeah, I believe the lead on that song. So what was the um reception? You know, as uh, uh, as far as uh, that project as a whole, how did you guys feel about that? Oh, we, I mean, you know, we, I mean, we loved it. And, um, but I think that was the very first song. Uh, I think it was, but I'm not sure. But that was the first song that, um, that was a single that I was, had lead on that I can remember. And, um, but it was, you know, it was all, it, it, but here's part of the, you know, thing that was happening for me at that time because, you know, Casanova went top five pop. Exactly. Uh, so I hear that. Hold on. Say that one more time, Mr. Gordon, because I don't I don't think they understand the magnitude of Casanova. This song did not just go number one RB. It went. Yeah, it went top five pop. Y'all hear that? It went top five pop. So, you know, we on a high right now, right? We we on a high. We feeling we feeling it. We feeling ourselves. We feeling the love we getting from the you know industry and the, and the world and the public. And it's coming at it so fast. You gotta understand too that after we signed, after we did the independent record, every year after that, we had a record. Every year. 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. Yeah. So um things was happening fast. And uh but my feeling at the time, because now I'm starting to notice things about the industry. I'm starting to you know see how the industry works. I'm starting to ask questions like, oh, why is this, why is that? So I remember I remember talking to Sylvia and um now who was managing you guys at that at that moment, at that time? Was Harry Combs still was he managing Harry, you guys? Yeah, Harry Combs was still uh, managing at that time. Okay. Uh, but what I was curious about was the fact that we had a top five pop record. 
Okay. And the next single was My Favorite Love. So my question to Sylvia and his ex was like, well, we had a top five pop record. Why are we not crossing this record over? Why are we not getting more push from this record? And, no doubt. Uh, you know, so it was always puzzling to me on why that was. And I never really got a real answer about that. But, you know, it was what it was. And we kept it moving. Yeah, I, ne I, ne I never understood that because, you know, as, 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 a, as a kid during that time, you know, all I know was just hits. And it seemed like everything that came from Levert was just a hit. And in our world, it was huge. Like, you guys were – there was nobody bigger than you guys. And that's why I, that's why I have – I don't think people – understand how big Levert was and like you just said there was so much coming at you guys also shortly after and I want you to talk about this I want you to elaborate a little bit more about this you started working with Troop and you started working with um, uh, Mickey Howard so can you tell about can you tell uh, uh, the people about how did you guys start to become like such a in-demand um uh producer songwriter tandem you know with you and gerald how did, what led to that i think it was just you know part of the success and and because they were label mates uh mickey was signed i think shortly after we were signed and uh and then true came along later on but okay they uh sylvia group you know grouped us with them or grouped them with us and that's where we, you know, we gave him my Masita and that's my attitude and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, it, it was, you know, it was the, I guess, the confidence in what we were doing at the time that, you know, that uh, gave us, you know, that them plugs to do different things that we were doing, the opportunities. And we took them or we took advantage of them. And, um, you know, it just so happens it worked. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you guys. Were, and you and, know. and I and and I was just uh, I was looking at the comments, but yeah, it was a song that I did uh, prior to that. It was "Love the Way You Love Me." Somebody, said you, hey, Mr. Gordon. Somebody said you need a part two of this interview, and 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 you know why they're saying that because one thing I, I I get it like and and one thing about your career, like you guys, when y'all hit the ground running. Man, you guys didn't stop. So I want to backtrack a little bit. We talked about True. We talked about uh, Mickey Howard. And I want to talk a little bit more about that Mama Sita record because I think a lot of you forget how huge that record was. But I want to go to the next project, um, the Just Coolin' project. So with that album, what was, um, you know, what was the thought? What was the process behind that project? Because I noticed there was a shift as far as the production and the, the the songwriting, you guys, I'll let you talk about that. I don't want to even answer that, but I noticed there was there was a little di there was a difference as far as the songwriting and production on that project. If you can uh, well, um, talk a little well, bit more about, that. yeah, well, just cooling, you know, that's kind of like a milestone for us because that was the first record, first album that we got the go ahead to where we got the full production. So it was it was like now we're getting the budget. We got the budget for our own our own project. And right. um and that you know that's 
that's that's the milestone. But in the process, like I've always been in the hip hop, you know what I mean? So hip hop and what we were doing was kind of moving at the same time. Talk about that, Mr. Gordon. Talk talk about that. Talk about that. Well, you know, like I was very much in the hip hop, you know, and uh, it wasn't like that wasn't what we were doing at the time. But for whatever reason, I felt like, well, man, I, I feel like this today. And uh, I put together like the beat for Just Coolin'. And then when Gerald heard it, uh, actually that was the, around the time I was still staying there at the big house. We called it the big house. Okay. And I was still staying there. And, uh, and I would go in the room and start working on the music and I had a little setup. And, uh, and Gerald heard it and he's like, man, we need to, uh, we need to put a, put a rapper on this. And mm. I was like, yeah. So he suggested heavy, you know, and I was like, yeah, let's get heavy. And uh, he agreed to do it, and it was a wrap. We came down, we we recorded, uh, we recorded in Philly, and heavy drove down to Philly from New York, and uh, he put his thing down, and it was like that was it. Like you know, when you know it's done and it's final, you know what it is, because you be like, right. that's it. It's a wrap. We ain't got to do nothing else but mix and master. Hey, that that one right there. So was was that the lead off single? Because you also you had um. You know, you had pullover on there. You had um, addicted uh, to love. You, you, you guys had some. You had smiling on there. But I'm trying to figure out was that the lead off single? Because I thought it was a single that was before that one. No, the very first single they put out was uh, uh, was um, you just pullover. said it. Pullover. That was the first. Yeah, I was just about to say because I remember, like I remember, I remember uh, it was a song before cooling. Like when I back back then, like there was a song yeah, off no, the I, I don't. I don't you know, like I, we weren't a part of the decision on what they was gonna release first. Okay. But whatever, whoever decided, they decided they decided to release uh, "Pullover." Yeah. And which was cool because you know, again, we love all the songs. Love, I love that song. I so love it. They released "Pullover," right? But because once once radio got the whole album, okay, they instantly flipped like a lot of radio especially in philly but right. they flipped and they started playing just cooling like right off like right yo that's that's where we going you know what i mean and, no, that, I, that's, that, that's the one and i, I don't want to say this right now but i that project right there that's in my top two um lavert projects which is you know it depends on what mood i'm in because that that one right there from beginning to end you know, I, I, there's there's no drop off, and and for, you know, like every there's songs that on that project that did that were not singles, and one of my favorite songs off that project is uh Feel Real. Oh, um, man. I know that was probably too 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 long of a of a song to play on the radio, but if you could just and, and touch on that song, you know, uh, you know, because that one right there, I think a lot of lot of lot of kids, uh, adults are are. are here today because of that song right there no no listen our 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 dna was with them kind of songs you know what i mean and i think when you when you said something about the shift in production you were right about that because for, not just because we were taking over the, the full production and got the budget right. and all of that but it was because 
I think it was a conscious effort of me and Jeroves that we um um that we were we were too young to just sing ballads. You know what I mean? We were super young. And that's the so, thing. Forget about that. Yeah, we were super young. Like, they start putting us in a category like, oh, the balladeers and this and that. Like, oh, we ain't really balladeers. We sing all kind of stuff. So I think that was a conscious thing that just cooling came about because like, yo, I got to get away from this balladeer thing. Like, we, you know, we do a lot of other stuff. We ain't doing just balladeers. We ain't just doing ballads. We doing we doing other songs. So that kind of helped fuel uh, just cooling also because you know they hadn't they hadn't heard that. Not right. Or even a lot of people they hadn't heard that from. In fact, uh, you know we were the first R&B group to do a collab with a hip hop artist. You guys were. And I want you guys to hear this because again. We're talking about music history, and the say that one more time, Mr. Gordon. I, I I want the audience to hear that. We were the very first group, R&B group, to collab with a hip hop artist, and that, that was is Heavy D. And I'm gonna tell you something else. That was Heavy D's first and only number one record. Because mm. he had Mr. Big stuff around the same time. Yeah, yeah, earlier than yeah. That, but that, that, that didn't go number one. It didn't go number one. No, no, no. I mean, but you got to understand, too, um, around that time and maybe earlier, like, hip-hop hadn't really oh, yeah. developed as far as chart-wise. Right, right, right. As far as, you know, the, 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 as far as getting the notoriety. Mm -hmm. It was definitely out there, and, and it, it was more so underground. Right. Uh, to a degree in the beginning because, you know, you're talking about guys that's rapping about their experiences they right about their livelihood they rapping about you know what i mean uh they surroundings and what's going on so um you know it was a, the, the movement was totally underground but it was so big that it would they had to recognize it. right and you guys were you, you guys were um you guys were on the cusp of that did you when 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 this golden era, because we call that the golden era nowadays. Did you guys ever ever see hip hop becoming so big? Did you guys see? Did you foresee that? Oh, I, I felt it. Yeah, no, I I didn't know how you know uh, everything that was you know going to happen, but I felt like it was it was definitely making its moves. Like um, you know, I have some of my favorites that I listen to all the time, but. Um, you know the changes that it went through from underground to being mainstream right you know, the industry at that point bought it you know what i'm saying they bought hip-hop and when they bought it it changed it changed hip-hop a little bit to where it wasn't like underground but it was more like uh it it, 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 it was now it became more radio friendly no doubt more you know what i mean so like some of the some of the struggles that would be uh you know put in the lyrics on on hip-hop you know the, you know they wouldn't play you know like uh you know uh and they were big songs you know right like, uh grandmaster flash and you know don't push me because right. these are all experiences right that they were relaying about their you know surroundings in life you know what I mean? and um yeah so 
Now, a lot of people forget about that, Mr. Gordon. Like, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not as not as old as your whatever, but I'm, but I'm still old enough to remember when hip hop just wasn't a dominant um, genre of music. Yeah. And you know, you guys were like the soundtrack of an era, and you know, I I, I don't think people understand that at that time. I feel like that was when hip hop and R and B were starting to um you know was starting to I wouldn't say become a hybrid of one another. But I definitely feel like you guys were the were were very instrumental as far as the relationship between hip hop and R and B. Oh yeah, no, no. Listen, after that, you couldn't you you couldn't even find a song that didn't have a rapper on it. You couldn't right. find an R and B song that now it was becoming a trend. Now that no could be a good thing and a bad thing because that is true. It, that it, is true. It, I feel like it was a good thing for us. It was a good collaboration, and I, I feel like you know. Even like like Run DMC, their collaboration, you know, was was major, right? Know, on a on a rock level, Walk the Hill was was major. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's it was that that was part of the time in bridging the gap. <laughs> there we go between the uh, between R and B and hip hop. I love it. I mean, you know, history it is what it is, and and I'm glad that I was able to play a part in it. No, no doubt, no doubt. So look, Mr. Gordon, a lot of people um, don't realize, but you know, um, addicted to love was also on coming to America. So, what? Tell me, tell me about that, because you you guys also, you know, you guys also dropped that project. I mean, dropped that song on the album. Now. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about the the background uh, of Addicted to Love and how it how it made it to the uh, coming to America, but also made it you know to to you guys' projects. If you could talk a little bit about yeah, that. Addic uh, Addicted to You was actually Addicted uh, to Love. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it was it was it was offered. Um, it was a it was offered to us to do uh, on the soundtrack, and we came up with that song, and they accepted that song. So that was actually on the soundtrack before it was on uh just cooling it was on just cooling as a bonus track yeah i was about to say yeah but yeah. it was actually on the soundtrack and it was the part that it was in uh in the movie was uh i don't even remember but it was when when the guy i, I remember but i'm gonna let you go ahead <laughs> yeah when the when when the when the i, I want to say uh what's what's my man's name uh eric lasalle who eric lasalle no not him no it's when uh what's my man's name he, uh he came in to rob the place samuel jackson samuel jackson yeah so he came in he came in to rob, rob yeah, this. Listen, listen, listen to this right here huh yeah he came no, in no, to rob listening to right some history right there yeah he came in to rob mcdowell's and that's when eddie did a move on him had him on the ground with the, with the background before with that the happened before that all happened, the song was playing in the background at the store at the McDonald's. <laughs> How did you guys feel about that, man? You know, having your song in a movie, man, because you know at this at this time I don't at this time cool just cooling didn't haven't came out yet, right? No. Nah. But you guys are still riding the wave of like these four top ten uh uh these these four top ten uh uh singles that you guys and boom. Here you guys come with a, 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 a number one hit, a number one hit in a movie soundtrack. 
Yeah. What was that like? Uh, I mean, I just, like, again, you know, things was moving, was moving so fast that we actually recorded that song in Miami, Florida. It, wow. we, were, we were on tour at the time. We wasn't at home just chilling. We was on tour at the time. And, uh, you know, like I, I would have, I had a little mini setup that I would take on the road. At that time, the mini setup was kind of bigger than it is now because it was, you know, but uh, so I'd have it set up in my room. And so I was doing stuff on the road, whether it was in the, in the, on the bus on the way or at the hotel room. But when we got to Miami, we uh, we had booked a studio in Miami, had our crew come down, and uh, we recorded that song, and okay. that was for the soundtrack, and uh, it became the bonus track on Just Boomer. Okay, yeah, I love I love that song, man. That was you. You know what? I also forget that Casanova was also on the soundtrack too. Yeah, it was on a couple of soundtracks. Uh, one was the Whippy Goldberg. Um, what was it called? Fatal, Fatal Beauty or something like that. I forget the name of it. Yeah. It's like a couple of tracks. A couple of tracks right. it was in. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. So um I wanna I wanted to this is another question. I I've I've been dying to ask you about this because you know, I think this 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 brother, this gentleman, I really don't feel like he got it like I get his just due, just like I feel the same way about you, uh Mr. Gordon. But there's a brother named Norman Harris. Um, I remember seeing his credit, his name and the credits on the album. Now, I know him as the writer, the producer of Blue Magic, uh, Philadelphia Internet. He's the guitar player. I know I know about him. He's part of, um, you know, with Ronnie Bacon, Earl Young and all those guys. Did you ever get a chance to meet Norman Harris? I probably did, but I can't really remember. I know he played on uh, he played on a couple of our songs. He played on, um, I believe it's him on Pop Pop. And um, wow, yeah, because uh, was he died? Them, 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 that little guitar lick that's in there. Oh, are you guys listening? Are you, are, you guys gotta gotta pay attention. Thank you, thank you. Uh, who's this? Vizington. I know about uh, she said, I know about um, Norman Harris. Hey, shout out to Derek Coleman, man. Shout out to Derek Coleman, he's he's doing it, man. Uh, number 44, New Jersey, next, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, a legend, a legend. But, Mr. Gordon, I, I always wanted to ask you that because I don't feel that Norman Harris get, got his flowers, man. And, and I always wanted to know, did you get it? Because he, unfortunately, he passed um, in 1987, like right after you guys uh, dropped um, the big throwdown. So, I, I, you know, I always wanted to ask you that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I believe I have, but I can't, I can't remember right now. Um, ran across so many different people and musicians and, uh, I know he was down on, on, on that record and, and I want to say, uh, something else, but definitely I believe on that record. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so look, Mr. Gordon, um, you know, you guys are traveling all over the place. You guys are like the biggest name. I can't, the only name that I can think that's probably just as big or in you guys' ballpark is maybe New Edition. But one thing I want to say is the thing with New Edition, and a lot of people don't notice, you guys are the same age. Pretty but much, your yeah. is much more, is, it, it seemed to be a little bit more mature. Did you guys ever feel, feel the pressure to 
um be more uh, uh mature or be older than you guys because a lot of people don't realize you guys were very young when you yeah. guys were doing all this great music you guys weren't even 23 24 years old yeah well no i mean that's again that's that's where uh that's where just cool in that transition of wanting to you know kind of be a little younger kind of try to be uh, not always so serious uh and uh and we wanted to you know experiment with the music and that's where that's what you know what what just cooling came out of it came from that wanting to you know wanting to you know do some different things uh that wouldn't get from everybody else and uh, i'm just thankful that you know atlantic records allowed us to do what we were doing you know what i mean and uh that's that's a big part of it no doubt no doubt man. they kind of you know atlantic records kind of just you know we came around at a time when atlantic records was transitioning too and that you know, they did well you know um r b was major at that time and big but big. they were they were you know some labels and i, I want to say atlantic was like this where they had uh you know they hadn't really had a, a flagship artist to bring in the money to you know what i mean to really bust wide open at that time right. of course they got history with all kind of other artists but yeah, at that time donnie hathaway oh yeah they got plenty of artists but yeah. at that time in the in the like early 80s it they didn't really have a lot of people that was generating and doing different things. I think a lot of those artists that they had were starting to get older. And so now we were the newest, youngest thing that they had. And uh, so they kind of, once they, once they let us out, they put us out, they just put it, you know, they, they just release it and put it on cruise control. They would put it out there. Um, they would put it out there uh, like in the fourth quarter. It would be, we'd be in the fourth quarter releasing records, and that's like a, you know kind of different kind of time to release records. So, but in the fourth quarter, um, that would be the time when record companies is trying to make up for their losses. Exactly. You know what so they would put us out and be on cruise control, and then we would generate what we generate, and just bring everything back to you know. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing when you think about that. Because, like I said, the next project, um, which I'm about to talk about, that was that was also released in, uh, in the fourth quarter. I, I vividly remember that this this project. But, Mr. Gordon, I, I want to ask you this. So, around this time, you know, you have, uh, you know, you got Levert. You guys are at the, you guys at the top. You got New Edition. You also got Guy. You got Keep Sweat. But you guys had a very distinctive, distinctive sound. Would you categorize your sound as being part of the New Jack Swing era? Because I always wondered that. What What is your take on that? Well, I think I think at that time, you know, uh, again, as producers, writers, you experiment. You know what I mean? So that ex that experimentation with with you know with sometimes come from influences from around you. So. New Jack was happening, and you know, and at that time we were on uh, New Jack City, so New Jack City kind of sparked a whole nother thing because now again we were coupled 
with uh, we did a song with True and Queen Latifah. So uh, and that became that became a you know that became a, a instant you know success. The movie, the movie and the song. You guys were you guys were actually in the movie. Yeah, and we did the, we did we you know we was in the movie did the trash can scene. Yeah, I was y'all was singing by the, uh, the the bonfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing about that about, about that record, we uh, 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 the guys who were producing the movie had us come into the studio, and we sang the song. We sang. They said we want to we want to do a mix. We want to do uh, the OJ's money 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 mixed with uh stevie wonders living for the city living for the city so we sang that acapella we sang it acapella jeez when we finished you know because the guy was like yeah that's what i want right there we sang it straight acapella we didn't, we didn't even have we didn't even have a, uh, a metronome. We couldn't. We didn't keep the time. We just did it ourselves and just right. living just enough for the city. So that they took that and they created the track around it. They included True, and they included Queen Latifah. Okay, and that was it. I didn't. I don't even remember hearing it before I seen the movie. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't remember hearing the full version. I don't remember hearing the full version until I don't think so. But you know, when that movie first opened up, you you see that you you see the New York skyline and you hear the song playing in the background. Like, yeah, this is yeah. Queen Latifah, and I got my guys of Verk and Troop. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that yeah, you know, that, that it was a rap. It was like the you know. Uh, and we actually performed that with Queen Latifah. Uh, Troop wasn't there, but we performed that on a on a Robert Townsend uh, event that he he did back in the day. Yeah, I, I remember that, man. You also did another. Um, I think you said that is the uh, the event where y'all sang that Miles J song. I'm a yeah, that was yeah, that was at the same event. Yeah, that was the same event. What was that? Like I, I remember, like I, I remember being in, in school, and I remember seeing that. But, but what was that? What, what Was that his show? Was that a, because he had a variety. Was that a special? What, what was that? It, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was like a variety. He put together like a variety show, you know, and, um, and it would be, it, 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 it would be some acting in there, some, you know what I mean? The, the crowd is right there. Right. Um, and we did the segment. It was about a, a, a girl that, uh, a dude was leaving the, leaving his was leaving his girl or something like that but they played out the whole part and we was a part of the scene uh it was like a live little like short little play right right and uh, and we sung the song and we sung the song and uh, i'm gonna have to post that because it was crazy I'm that night. You, man um uh you guys did the, the, the songs that I, I most I, I remember the most is I've been a fool for you and I hate to cut you off, Mister Gordon, but that song, I swear, man, you you guys took that to another level. And shout out to Miles J, man, he's dope. He's dope, yeah, Miles. Yeah, he was he was a he was a label mate too. Oh, he was on Atlantic. Yeah, he was on Atlantic at one point. Yeah. Wow, wow. Because I remember at you know at the time he had 
um when you guys dropped Casanova, he had um let's get it uh 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 started again or something like that and he had uh yeah. I'll prove for you. Oh yeah, his first that first album was dope. I, I you know, because I used to go up to the label and uh you know at the label every time we had the label and all of the you know people that work up there, they hey, if you got some new stuff, they give us all the cassettes. You know, at yeah, the time yeah. it was cassettes. Right. <laughs> and uh, so they we walked we walk out of there with all everybody's new stuff. You know, okay. and uh when I popped that into my in my player and I was like, okay, Miles J got some stuff on here. I like his, you know, I like his vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, he has some stuff on that record. He was dope. He was dope. So look, Mr. Gordon, I, you know, hey, I'm going to run. I, I got a lot of questions to ask, man. Again, this is a moment for me, and I believe this is a moment for the culture. And I want to go back a little bit. I just want to go back a little bit, man. Like, so you guys get to you, you sign your deal. You're dropping these classic albums. You're dropping these classic uh, songs, man. What was one of the first big, big purchases that you made when you, when you, you know, signed your contract? If you remember, uh, first was uh, I think first was I got a car. And, what type of? Uh, I I got a BMW. Which one? And then, one? Um, and then the house, huh? You got what a three series? Yeah, it was a three series, a little small, you know, two door joint. You know, I okay. had, I had it, I had it tricked out at one point. Okay. And, uh, you know, so you know, I, I tricked it out, and it was, uh, it was my little get around, so it was cool. <laughs> so did you move? Did you move out? Like, cause at that time you you guys were living, and a lot of people, uh, I don't think a lot of people noticed, but you guys were living in Shaker Heights, and and um. If yeah. I'm um, yeah. Shaker Heights is a very affluent uh, black community, and that with a lot of history behind it. Yeah, well, it, it's not really black community, but but yeah, it's it's it now is is mixed. Uh, but yeah, th those the, that area was specifically uh, a part of an area that because they had a train uh, set up that would go from that area that would go downtown and. But yeah, it was an affluent area, and uh, that was part of like the Rockefellers. Whole mm. area. Yeah, so they, you know, they had some major houses, over there, you know, old, old school houses. Uh, okay. that's just made out of stone and this and that and the other. But okay. um, no, it's no, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's definitely an affluent area. Okay. So um the I I know um also uh, the 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 actress comedian Kim Whitley she's from a uh, shit guys y'all you went yeah did y'all go to school with her yeah yeah you know uh yeah Joe was in class with her I always wanted to I always wanted to ask you guys this I do I do my research I look at the the dates and I'm like you guys got to be around the same around the same age man it's always one yeah. of the in fact Joe Joe you know really encouraged her to you know do what she was doing and uh did it you know like they was they had a little connection back in the day you know okay but, um yeah he 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 encouraged her to do her comedy and things like that so yeah yeah um i think paula paula jabaka is also from uh shaker heights too if i'm not yeah. mistaken she was actually yeah she is and she was actually on that uh robert townsend special she was playing the part of the girl in that segment. Right, right. Played the part in the girl of the girl. So the girl was leaving the other dude and for Gerald or no, left Gerald for the other guy. 
So okay. Gerald is pouring his heart out like I've been a fool for you and uh, he was going off. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a gay park. You, you guys, you guys is like consoling. You guys are looking at him like, "What's what's wrong with you, man? Like you letting this yeah, girl?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you gotta, you, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta feel it, forget about her, man. We gotta go do this, that, right, and the other. Right. Like, oh, and then he breaks into the song and this and that. But uh, yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, no doubt, man. So like again, I, you know, I'm, I'm moving through these projects, and and I hope you don't mind, Mr. Gordon, because again. To me and to my family and to the people that I know, and I believe to most black culture that, that's old enough to remember, you guys had, had have an a impeccable catalog. And this project right here is my favorite Levert project, hands down. Hands down. So let's talk about the Ropa Dope style project. First <laughs> Mr. Gordon. What is that? Ropa dope style. I always wanted. I I never understood that when I was a kid. What where, where did you guys get the the idea of rope dope style? Where did that come from? Man, again, we was just you know we was just experimenting, and again, this you know all of these songs, I believe, you know, were influenced by something, and uh, at this time, you know, like. My early influences was right. a lot to do with Parliament Funkadelic. Mm. This is where my funk came out with that particular song. Okay, and, uh, and that's just what that's what came out of it, you know. But Rope Dope <laughs> was kind of like, you know, you know, it was used back in the day. You know, Muhammad Ali used the Rope Dope, and uh, you know, in the ring. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really the same uh, meaning, but we were just having fun with it, man. That's all it is. We, we were having fun. And, and uh, let me see, uh, AJ, uh, AJ and they were doing choreography. They was in the video also. Yeah, they was, Um, she was also in Just Cooling, right? Yeah, they were in Just Cooling and uh, they, did the, they did the choreography and... Um, and uh i mean you know it's hey, shout she's still looking good man who she's still she's still looking good at all these years yeah yeah you uh, know AJ and, and uh tisha tisha yeah oh hold on hold on we i know we're not talking about tisha campbell yeah she was a part of, she was she was in the video too i don't remember i i'm gonna be honest i don't remember her in the video yeah, she was in. She wasn't in the just cooling video. No, uh, she was in like the. They were part of the team that was that was uh, 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 that came down. We hired them to do choreography for us at one time, and so they came down with their energy and this and that. And so, but we used them again for just cooling. That little beginning scene, right? That was them. That was their putting that together. You talk about it just cool because I remember, you know. Like AJ and I, it was some other girls with her, but I don't I don't yeah, recognize her. At that time, it was it was some of the the girls that was on uh, in Living Color, that was in the in the video. Uh, I forget the one girl's name, uh, but she was from a Living Color. And okay. A couple of other ones that they pulled in, but yeah, it was that was uh, that was AJ's. You know. Uh, I love that video. Choreography. 
I, I love that. I love that. Um, the robust Robodope style video. I remember seeing that, you know, as a kid used to come on, um, you know, Donnie Simpson, when he used to have the, the video soul. And yeah. oh, what, another question, another question I always wanted to ask you, Mr. Gordon. Now, when Gerald did that spin on it, like he did some, was that really Gerald doing? Yeah, that was Gerald. No, that was Gerald. Was that a stunt double? No, that was him. <laughs> no, that was him. No. All you got choreography. I love, I love the choreography. But he does this one move where yeah. he does like this type of leg spin on the like he. He yeah, that yeah, was him. No, no. It was more so the spin, and then he, he we dropped on the floor. We all did it, but he we dropped on the floor, and the, you know because of the cam camera angle, it made it look like it was really super uh, hard. And uh, it wasn't as hard as what it, it looked like, but yeah, he, oh. he yeah he did the little spin, but we no we were um you know we were kind of cool on our feet. <laughs> oh, no 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 y'all you guys killed the choreography man. One thing about uh Levert, you know you guys wasn't new addition when it came to the choreography, but you guys made up for like not I don't want I hate to say made up because I love the choreography, but um you know when when it when it came to the moves man you guys you. You know the, the 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 performance, the showmanship. Like, how important do you feel it is for an artist to be able to back his wax? I know, I, I know you heard that term. Like, how important do you think that is in, in in music? To do what now? To back your wax. And when I when I say back your wax, you know, be able to perform what your what you have on record, like your oh, wax. Yeah, your yeah. No, no. It's you, you ask me how important it is, or yes, sir. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, it's 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 it's, it's real important to be able to, uh, you know, give the people what you intended the record to be. You know, what I mean, vibes can always be different because of production and how the sounds is and everything. But, um, you know, we worked hard on on giving people what they want. But that's that's you know, I can only attribute that to the amount of rehearsals that we did when we didn't have shows so we were right. able to you know to change up a show mid show okay something, something wasn't working we was like okay we're gonna cut this we're gonna go to that you know what I mean? right. and it was just like slow right right i remember i went to see i told you when we, when we was on the uh, phone man i went to see you guys at the capitol center um in 90 i believe early 91 it was you you guys, I believe, Karen White and 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 True, that was the greatest show. That's when I I knew Levert is going to be. You 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 guys were etched in stone in my psyche and in my soul when I seen you guys perform all seasons. And you guys, I don't you you guys stole the show. Everybody did great, but one thing I can always say about Levert. Is when it came to live performances, man. You know, was it was it something that you guys talked about? Like, hey, let's you know, let's let's make sure that we because everybody, there was a lot of great artists that was great, but I, I just wanted to know, like, how did you guys feel about you guys' uh, uh, live performances, and what were some of the the the, the um, what were some of the best um, you know some of the best arenas or best you know uh, um, you know. Uh, stadiums or clubs that you have that you guys played in well again like, like i said we um we started off rehearsing you know, so our rehearsal was mandatory 
And that was a sacrifice because we didn't do a lot of other things. We didn't hang out. We didn't, you know, we we had wow. enough there, you know what I mean? Because at the big house, you know, we had the swimming pool. We had the, the tennis court, basketball court. So, you know, we had enough there to, to be able to keep ourselves occupied outside of doing music. But the music was the main focus and we sacrificed our freedom to do the music and and to rehearse so that's how we became um that's how we honed our craft in with with as far as doing live performances because um we, we went through a lot of trial and error early on you know what i mean uh, we we did we did shows you know before we hit He's doing club dates and stuff like that, and, and um, where it wouldn't sometimes it wouldn't be nobody out there. We had to perform for nobody, like six, seven people. Wow. You know what I mean? So I find, I'm gonna be honest, Mr. Gordon. I, I find that hard to believe. This is before. This is before we hit though. This is before, this we was just doing the club scene. But, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was just one of them things that you had to, you know, you had to be for whatever, you know, ready for whatever. whatever. Right. And then, you know, we had a good competition. Uh, we had good competition in, uh, the, in the city because there was a lot of other bands and people that were doing it longer than us. Right. That was out there. They they had the, you know, the city name. They had the name that was. Uh, you know, that, uh, the dance band, they're from Cleveland, right? Yeah. They they came from state came from Cleveland, yep. Um, but it was really more local bands that was, you know, they had been out there doing stuff before we were, and uh, you know, so yeah. What was some but, of the yeah, um, but, what yeah. was some of your favorite places to perform? Man, it's a lot of places, but you know, of course, DC. That was our stomping ground. You know what I mean? Uh, DC, Philly. <laughs> Uh, South, uh, I want to say, and uh, what was that? Uh, uh, what was that? Newport, Newport News, uh, Over uh down there in Virginia. We, we was we rocked the Coliseum down there, um, okay, and of course, Cleveland, you know, what I mean, there was several places in Cleveland. The uh, the uh, front row was like one of our first places. That was my first concert that I went to was a cameo concert in at the front row. That's wow. When, that's when it was a whole band of them. It was probably people on stage and they was all jumping up and down. It was so much energy. I was like, wow, these dudes, these dudes is crazy. And I, lo I loved them ever since after that. You know what I mean? It was uh, cameo. I mean, these are all people I listen to, like, faithfully. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, right. Man, these are people that, that really gave me, like, the juice to be like, yo, man, I, I, can, I, can, I can work that. Right, right. No doubt, no doubt. So we, 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 the last uh, project we was talking about was that, um, that Rope-A-Dope style. And everybody, um, you know, a lot of people know the big, the, the big single, man, like, how did you guys feel about, you know, you guys had all season. And I'm trying to figure out, like, whose decision was it to release Baby, I'm Ready? Did, when, did, when did you guys, did you guys, I, I want to make sure I'm careful the way I put this. Whose decision it was to release Baby, I'm Ready opposed to all seasons as the, as, 
I believe as the um, you know, the lead off a, a single as far as the ballad. It's got because I believe that came out before um all season, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I tell you the truth, I can't remember which one came out first. Okay. Um I remember doing the, the video and I, I the vid, video for all season. So maybe we went to Canada to do the video. And um but I, I don't know which one came first. I know okay. we did, we, you know, they they dropped the you know the the um the rope it up style first and then and he backed it up with the you know what I mean? Um, right. I, Okay. Okay. But yeah, that was yeah, that was uh yeah, that was uh again that was probably like I don't know I I, I say that's probably my favorite album. There we I'm go. Leaning, I'm leaning. I'm leaning. I'm leaning go ahead, Miss Scott. Um, huh? No, I said no, no. I'll go, go ahead. Go finish. Yeah, I, I was just leaning. I'm leaning towards that one being like probably you know I, I don't know. That's my but, favorite. But I think the I think the key for um doing uh, uh for us was being able to have options to put out different songs. Right. You know, like for me, I didn't want to be categorized as valid a balladeer group. But, right. Um, I wanted to be able to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we got we got the attention with them outfits. Hold on, hold on. Let's not forget this one. Hey, this is my this is my favorite one right here with the. With, I I love these 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 suits, man. That you guys got on, man. This is that Sergio Cicchini. Yeah, them on the back, and I'm that's why that's why I'm wearing right now, man. I had you. Hey, I swear, man. You guys, you guys not only had the music, but you guys had the look. And I swear, I thought you guys were from DC right. because everybody in no, DC. I think that was our that was our that was our Philly uh that was our Philly influences because you know downtown Philly had all the little spots that you know saw all the little sneakers and the sweatsuits and that was their big thing in Philly was Sergio Tachini. I would go up in them little spots. I can't even remember the name of the joints now, but I would go up in them little spots and go out buy all kind of sweatsuits and sneakers and that every day i have on a new one <laughs> <laughs> now I, 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 like i said man you guys not holy this I'm, I'm gonna be honest this album cover to me is my now, is my is my favorite one right those here suits, those suits right there was those were made by uh not well those were two but they, oh. they were tailor-made we had a guy that was doing our uh yeah that those uh, okay. guy out of Cleveland that he actually did work for a lot of people uh, named Curtis. Uh, okay. Curtis, Curtis Gibson. He he did work for James Brown, New Edition. Wow. He did work with the OJs, you know, but he was a hometown dude, you know, and, uh, but yeah, he, he, he made those suits for us. And they, were sweatsuits. they were sweatsuits, but they had like, you know, they was, you know, custom and, you know, the little stripe on the side was leather and you know, yeah, I, I always, I always, I always love those two album covers, man. And I, you guys love them suits so much. If I'm not mistaken, you guys performed in those suits on the Apollo. We had the Sergio Tuccini suits on one of the Apollos. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I and I believe in in um did when you guys perform all seasons and Baby I'm Ready at the Apollo. Because how many times did you guys perform at the Apollo? Uh, we was there. We was there a few times. 
Okay. So we did uh we did Casanova in the Sergio Tuscini. And uh uh that was on at the Apollo. Okay. And uh the other songs like we did ABC one three at the Apollo. Uh we we had outfits that we put together and coordinated for those, so there wasn't no, you know, boots or nothing like that. Okay. And, uh I can't remember the other ones, but but yeah. So look, Mr. Gordon, you know, around this time, um, you guys had uh travel productions. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, whose brainchild was that? Was that Gerald's? Was that yours? Was that, you know, whose whose idea was it, it, it for you guys to um I believe start your own uh production company? Who you know, how, how did it come to be? Yeah, it was it was both our ideas and uh, we are we used our royalties to put it together. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, uh, uh, that was, you know, that was both our ideas and we came up with the name because it was, um, it was hard spelled backwards and we, um, and that's what we did. But it was our, it was our, uh, idea. And I think it started like 87, 88. And that's the year of just cool. There we go. That's where we knew, okay, oh, we getting the budgets? Okay, now let's do make this move. So we, we bought a building in the hood and uh, we uh, we worked out of there. We had the rehearsals, uh, you know, spot downstairs and we had the offices upstairs. Okay. There was another building on that same lot that had like a little studio, you know. And uh, after that, though, the OJs had bought the house that was next door. It was two family house next door, and they put the uh, they put the uh, their studio in that in that house next door. Okay. Mind you, we didn't wow. You know. <laughs> wow. That was our that was our you know, that was our get down. So, Mr. Gordon, you just you just brought up the OJs. So, I'm noticing like at this time, the OJs is kind of like having a resurgence. You know. Um, you know, there, there was a little decline in the in the eighties, man. Um, but now it seemed like, you know, now was there ever any talk about you guys becoming the new OJs? Because the OJs also had a little resurgence around, you know, around eighty seven and eighty eight. So how 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 was the relationship between you, Eddie, Walter? Like how how was that? Oh, it was great. We was on the road together. We we toured together. You know, I never knew. So, yeah, no, we had a, we had several tours together. Um, Al Heyman, and he was like one of the main promoters at that time. And uh, but he would definitely couple us up with the OJ. We we had we had tours where we did OJ's, us, and the Whispers. And we would, we, I mean, we would kill it. We would do all the little rounds. And the, 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 um, the, the uh, theaters in the round, a lot of them across the country, across the country. But um, yeah, we would do shows like that. Um, because at the time, we was on a lot of the hottest tours that was going on. It was Bobby Brown, Don't Be Cruel tour. It was the uh, Freddie Jackson tour when he was at the highest of his, his uh, thing. Uh, it was we was on the cameo tour uh when cameo had word up we was on that yeah so all the all of the times that you know we had tours of other people they were like the top tours 
Like, okay. Word up was a major hit. And uh, so we wanted to go down. Um, actually, one time, you know, we, we got taught a lesson, and uh, Larry Blackman had, uh, you know, they had, they had canceled us from the, one of the shows because our crew didn't come into the, into the next city in time. It was St. Louis. I'll never forget it. It was St. Louis. And they, uh, we got there, and it was like, they're not going to let y'all perform. Well, why not? Because the crew was late. So, you know, if they show, they can run the run it how they want. But, you know, the load up time is important because, like, if you leave from another city and you have a long distance to go, you know, that, that, that can, you know, kind of take you, take your time uh, uh, set up because you got to, you got to get the, the crew got to set up everything. They got to sound check, you know, so it's a lot that got to happen before it's time to show. Okay. And, uh, and uh, so the crew didn't get there in the time. We was hot about that, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we used to thank them. I want to say it was at the, I can't, I can't play the name of the theater, but uh, it's a popular theater that we do a group of yeah, I never, I never, I never. That's one of the cities I, ne I never been to. Uh, St. Louis, man. So, so, Mr. Gordon, we got Gerald, we got you, and we got Sean. What was, what made you guys special, and what were some of the character traits, and you know, as far as, um, you know, personalities. You know, what what made Gerald so special? Because I think, you know, again, you're you're the the only surviving member of Levert, and you're a you're a legend in my book, but so is Gerald Levert. And a lot of people want to, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions about uh, uh, Gerald Levert, but I want to I want to talk about the Levert years before we get to him later. So what were some of the things that was special about Gerald, some of the things that were special about Sean that you that you remember? Uh, well, Sean was just the, uh, he was the, he was kind of like the mediator. So he was the fun guy. He always wanted to, you know, he, 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 he wanted to, life of the party he'd be the joke you know his laugh and then when gerald laughed it was it was over it'd be just a laugh but uh he would he would be the, the fun guy uh gerald was you know he was he was funny too i mean we always funny in our own space you know right. like i would be i wouldn't necessarily be funny around a lot of people so i wouldn't i'd be i'd, I'd be I go back into my my, my shell right. around other people. But when we was together by ourselves, uh, it was over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but Gerald was, uh, you know, Gerald, you know, he was he was very boisterous. He he put, he put it out there, you know I mean? and uh, you know, so that's I believe that he, you know, he was gonna make sure you knew that he was there. You know, <laughs> that's crazy because, you know, when, when you see him, you know, he seems so humble. I've seen him in interviews. All of you guys seem so humble. But, I, you know, I sit back and I look at Gerald and I'm just like, you know, in my opinion and, and, and people can say whatever they want to say. But in my opinion, he is the greatest soul singer of my generation, of, of my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. How did, Go ahead, go ahead. If you no, got anything, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. You know I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, it's it's, it's definitely a, a whole full circle. 
from where it started as far as not being wanted by the industry to being one of the greatest soul singers ever. You know what I mean? Right. So, I think he will. I mean, if you ask most people, to be honest, man, I think Gerald was the last great soul singer. You know, we had a lot of good guys that come by, but we talk about with that baritone, um, with, 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 as far as the performance, you know, and I think, you know, one thing I loved about LaVert, man, is how you guys all came together. And I think, you know, a lot of that is attributed to your great songwriting and, and your great production and you got you and Gerald working together. And I feel like sometimes that gets overshadowed um, with with Gerald's uh, presence and, and and with his name and everything. And, and, and I get it. I get it. I understand. Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize that all these songs that 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 there were hits that were number ones that were top tens that was you and gerald yeah no it, that, it, it was it's just because i'm just kind of more low-key than he is you know like i can i can go in the hiding and, and whatever you know what i mean like I, I don't know i think that uh um you know that was his personality and i think that's what made us work so well is because you didn't have the alpha male you know personalities and everybody everybody had their own thing and that's what kept us cool because i didn't have to be the, the man you know what i mean i didn't have to be the one that's trying to fight for attention or try to be you know out there like that i didn't have to do that i just played my part you know what I mean? And Sean played his part. Gerald did his thing. And it worked. You know, right. I believe that if we had, if we all had the strong personalities, Levert might have never happened. Oh, thank goodness you guys didn't. <laughs> thank, goodness, thank, God, thank, thank goodness you guys didn't. So, so look, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, man. So, we just talked about the Robodope style project, man. Now, around this time, you guys, um, you, you, you know, this was like the first time it seemed like you guys went like a year without dropping an album and Gerald drops a solo project, which you produced a couple of songs. What was the thought process or what, when did Gerald, did he ever talk, that, talk, uh, talk about that with you guys as far as dropping a, a solo project? And how did you feel about that if he, if he did? When, when, I mean, when he did? Uh, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember, uh, discussing it i don't remember having a conversation like you know i'm about to do a solo record. i never I, I didn't remember being that kind of thing happening and um and i didn't have a problem with it because i felt like well, we got a production company so either way it go uh you know this is part of the business it just just a, you know another check right right so uh and uh and that's that's pretty much how i looked at it and uh you know things kind of drifted from that position right where it was you know we eventually uh you know kind of separated but um it was just uh everybody everybody was fine with you know okay okay so now like um i remember around that because i was scared man i i'm not gonna lie i was scared i was like oh my god Gerald's going solo, and then he came out with Private Line, and ah, uh, then he had um the the, uh, the song with him and his dad, um, Baby Hold On to Me. I'm like, oh, it's over. 
Yeah. It's over. Then you guys come back together. So, you know, I always wanted to ask you what, you know, like everything was good around that time. How, you know, how was the relationship between you guys? What, what time was this? We talk about 92, 91, 92, because you drop, you drop, you drop uh, for real though in, in the spring of 93. Yeah. And I was so excited with that lead off single. Um, good old days. Yeah, I love love that song, man. That that's probably one of my favorite Levert songs. Yeah. Um. No, we was fine. Uh, everything was 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 good at that time. You know. Um, you know. Again, just doing what we do, and that was. You know, at this time though, it, things starting to starting to unravel a little bit after that. After that record, okay. um, the next record. Uh, whole scenario things had right before that had started unraveling with the group. So look, before we get to that, I want I want to ask you this, Mr. Gordon. And again, this this if you notice this conversation that I told you, we don't do any on the Bridge in the Generation podcast. I don't do any salacious nonsense. I'm not trying to bring up anything that's going to go viral. I want to talk to a legend about his music, about his music. And his okay. experience in the music industry, because I respect you as a as first as a man, and I respect you as an artist. But I always wanted to ask you about Edwin Tony Nicholas. I noticed when he came in the picture. Um, I noticed it, it just seemed like things changed a little bit. So you know, my question, I, I know you're probably like so. So let's get to the question. How how was your your, your, your relationship with, with Edwin Tony Nicholas? Because it just seemed like things was, it just it seemed like it was a little different a little different yeah it was a little different but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh, as a young kid just outside looking at it yeah well i mean you had good observation um it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh different i, I was cool with tony um tony was part of our band too so he uh he was part of the band through some of those tours and stuff like that. So uh, when things started unraveling with me and Joe, that's where Tony got in the mix. That's where Joe pulled Tony into the mix. And eventually he started working with Tony and we weren't working anymore. And that's what I didn't understand. That, that I noticed, I looked at the private line, I'm looking at the private line credits as a kid. And I just see, and with Tony Nicholas and Gerald Laver, and I'm just like, what's going on? But then, you know, fast forward to um, the, for, the For Real Though project, I see you guys, you know, working back together. So, yeah. Um, if you if you don't mind asking, what what was some of the you know uh, the issues? What, what was the what was the creative differences between you guys? Because I, let me say this, Mr. Gordon, before you even answer what I'm about to ask you, I'm gonna be honest. I love this project. Let's make that clear. I I love this project i'm looking at the track list it's not a bad song on here um dang i i'm not gonna lie i, I probably had to throw this up there's one of my favorites too so anyway but but as far as the charts it seemed like the combination of mark gordon and gerald lavert equals a hit no matter who is who you guys writing or producing for when you guys wrote and produced for Troop, there's a hit, Mama Cedar. You write and produce for um, uh, um, Mickey, uh, Mickey uh, uh, Howard, it's a hit. You write and produce for your, yourself, 
it's multiple hits. For some reason, when you guys drop for real though, what 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 happened? Like you guys had ABC one two three, but I, I I don't I don't understand. You know, like how come this one did not take off as like like Robodope style, even though it's just as good. I don't know. I mean, I mean, but uh, you know, when you I don't know if you asked that question. I'm sorry, that was a loaded gun question, uh, Mr. Gordon. I apologize, but I, I just always feel like this album should have just got its just. Well, here, here, here's, here's what I'll say to that, and, and, and that is, when I look at that record, because it's still successful, um, it was. That, the, the, problem, it was. the problem wasn't uh, wasn't really happening at that record. It happened after that record, the next record. And uh, but that record did get it. I don't want nobody thinking like this was this was a dud. This was not a dud. This project right here is a bona fide classic. But yeah. what I will say is it seemed like the charts did not show love to that project like they did for some reason. ABC I don't know, was well, this one you got uh, ABC one two three that went number five, yeah. and you had uh, you you had good old days that went I believe like number twelve, and I, I you know every if you look at it every Lever project produces at least four three to four top five singles, and yeah. I just don't understand why I don't understand why ABC one two three did not go number one. I'm just yeah. uh, I think I think I think I think I think a lot of the attention kind of went. You know, start being shifted. You know, um, with the, you know, just the attention on the label between the, the, the group and Gerald. Uh, that's what I think. Uh, you know, but for for most accounts, you you're correct as far as where the positions, the chart positions were. But 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 overall, it was still I would still say you know again it was a success, but it just didn't. You didn't get you. You're right. You didn't get the love as far as the charts go. Now I, I can't remember what was before that was ahead of us. Stop us from getting there. I can't remember because again, this might have been a time when Sylvia was gone. Because Sylvia was good with you know getting the charts right. She you guys had a really that. good talk, talk about her relationship with Sylvia Rome because I think. You know, in recent years, I've, I've I've heard she's she's gotten a bad rap um, from from uh, I've heard from from certain sources. But as far as you guys' relationship, talk about you guys' relationship with Sylvia Rome. No, he was good. Um, no, he was good. Um, you know, I remember you know um, you know certain things that would happen, and you know we have like our meetings and 